Dr. Spazano, let me ask you a question. Fire away. Years ago, we did an episode of Family Anatomy about New Year's resolutions, and at that time, you said, no way, no day, I'm having none of it. I will never make a resolution, and I'm firm in my convictions. Has that changed? I am resolving to make resolutions this year. What? What a major difference. Well, I'm, I'm not saying I can keep those resolutions, of course. <laughs> but you're going to do your best. And this year, we are taking New Year's advice from Time Magazine, The Globe and Mail, The New York Times, and more to tell you and our listeners how best to keep their New Year's resolutions on Family Anatomy. Most of family anatomy are psychologists, but they're not your psychologist. So if you need to talk to someone about family or mental health issues, you can get a referral from your family doctor. This show is for information only. Welcome to Family Anatomy, your source for parenting and relationship information with your hosts, Dr. Giuseppe Spazzano. And Dr. Brian McDonald. You can find us at familyanatomy.com or over on iTunes. And let's get right into it. Today we are talking about New Year's resolutions. We are talking about New Year's resolutions. Now, in the intro, you described me as the person who never, never wanted to have New Year's resolutions. I may have exaggerated. And I said, no way. <laughs> <laughs> no way, no how is that how you no said way, it? No way, no day. No way. No day. No way, no That's day. It. No way, no I day. like to rhyme. Uh, yeah, it was a little bit of an exaggeration. I actually have been considering having resolutions, which is a bit of a change. And so you're in the pre-committing phase. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> we can. Now, you... You, on the other hand, no, I can't remember. Did you have resolutions in the last time we, we talked about well, this? Well, you know what's funny? We went back to find the number of... Because I know you have some now. I do have some now. And, and we went back to find the the episode number. It was episode 41. So it was back... Way back in the day. 2000, early 2009. So it was only about six months after we'd started the podcast that we did this episode. Episode 41, and now it's 2014. Four one it's just reversed. See how? Wow! Now look at that. Isn't that eh? interesting? It was meant to it be. Was meant, it was meant to be. Yeah, I've I uh, I had a New Year's resolution then, and I continue to have New Year's resolutions now. Okay, now they're different resolutions. Well, what happened to the? I mean, I'm curious. Oh, I don't know about everybody else, but I'm curious. What ha- What resolution was it back then? And do you recall if it worked out? Uh, or my resolution you stuck to it. Or? Now, what I said at that time was that I don't necessarily start them at New Year's because I have a birthday in January too. So sometimes I feel like that's my New Year when I turn another year older. Okay, and I do enjoy celebrating my birthday, but. Um, at that time, I think it was about getting in shape. Okay, which, isn't that the same resolution that you have now? Now my resolution actually is that... Um, Stay in shape. I, well, I am in shape. I feel like, you're in I shape. I feel like I'm in pretty good shape, but I, I started last year running obstacle races, and this year I want to get through every obstacle race offered in Ottawa uh, with times that I can be proud of. So you've got some real solid goals and plans, and it's not just 
a vague desire to be in shape. Absolutely. I, I will say, though, that the, those many years ago when we did episode 41 and I wanted to get into shape, it took a long time before I, I really committed to that resolution. And what really helped was when uh, my wife got involved and then later my son got involved and now we all go together to the same gym with the same trainer and it's a lot more fun and it's way easier to stay motivated that way. I thought you were going to say it was the triple bypass surgery that you... Uh... Never happened. Never happened. My ticker is okay. extremely healthy. In fact, my doctor... Sorry, my doc- Sorry wrong person, <laughs> I guess. My, my doctor <laughs> told me at my last physical that uh, if I, I, I better not take vitamins or else the government would try to abduct me and do experiments to find out how I got my superpowers. Wow. He said, I'm so healthy that if I take vitamins, that would be it. I would be, become it, superhuman. Well, that, we couldn't have that. I mean, personally, even on the podcast, it'd be insufferable. It would be, yes. But I, I love that doctor. Is he taking new uh, patients? Uh, well, I might be able to get you in. I do have connections. <laughs> okay. So you've decided that, well, you're thinking at least, and you're in the pre-committing phase about resolutions. What are you thinking about? No, I, I was joking there. I mean, I don't, I didn't. Uh, no, I don't remember what I said years back, but I don't make resolutions at the new year. Okay. Uh, but I I do make resolutions through the year, mm-hmm. um, you know, and some of them are tiny. You know, there's, I guess there's the big, I know, but in the research I, that I did for the show, you know, top 10 lists are very common. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the top 10 resolutions are... Yeah, everywhere you look, they're very similar. Let's hear let's hear um, some some of the top ten resolutions and we'll see where yours fit. Well, number one is losing That's weight. That's always the case, right? Yeah. That's very common. Mm-hmm. And then a, another one is staying fit and healthy, which is imp- it's a, I, I actually appreciated the fact that they made those two different things. Yeah. Saving money, spending less, right. was another one. Quitting smoking or reducing drinking. Mm-hmm. I group those two together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get things like, and then it's sort of, those I think are the big ones, right? right? And then you they kind of fill out the top 10 because 10 is a nice round number, <laughs> I think is yeah, what the, happens the there. Rest they just so they in. put in things yeah. like, yeah, put in things like learn something new. Okay. You know, like. Play gonna, the piano. Play the piano this year. Whatever. How do we both think Our, of play the piano another, at the same time? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> get organized. Vol- volunteer. That's, like another soft maybe one. Maybe volunteer but, in a in know, a soup kitchen. It, it sounds. That's another it sounds one. Like that's what you're doing. Helping others. It sounds like that's what you're doing right now. I can hear plates banging around in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant help. I was helping you somehow, but okay. Yep. Um and spend more time with family. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, but these that's a good one, but it tends to, like I say, to be at the bottom of these right. lists. Um, I, I'm, I'm also have been trying to get in shape and stay in shape, yeah. right? Good man. I think I'm in pretty good shape. Pretty good. But I didn't do that resolution at New Year. I did it, I, I don't even know. It was sometime during the year, and I forget what the motivation was, when it, but it wasn't you know, January 1st coming around. It was, who knows, something else that we had a gym. Well, we have we have a gym in our home now. Ah. That's one thing. So it was... That makes a big that difference. That was the perfect thing for me. You removed some obstacles um, there. A lot of obstacles gone there and made it very accessible and easy. And I started to see some results and I could monitor them easier. And 
And I had the time because, of course, we both have children. That's true. Small that does make it challenging. And it takes a lot of time to, to do this. But because I have a gym in the home, it's worked out real well for me. Um, so is that a resolution? Yeah, I guess it's a resolution. Like I said, there's other smaller resolutions. Like I resolve that I'm going to get uh, my work done this week. Oh, That's a tiny resolution. Yeah. Short-term that, goals. Does that qualify as a resolution? I don't even know if I'd qualify that as a resolution. It's a mini, mini That's resolution. A, you've got some short-term goals there. You want to do <laughs> well at your job. Goals. That's good. Yeah. That would be more like a goal. Yeah. And not a resolution, I guess. The resolution, we stick to these bigger ones on the list. They do tend to be the big ones. And I like that both of us, you know, I, I once upon a time resolved to get in shape, and now I'm more focused on some specific goals of, of running some races, and here you are getting in shape in your basement. I feel like when Family Anatomy sits down and uh, does a live show that possibly we might be arm wrestling one another. I'm putting that on my agenda for this year. I want to arm wrestle Giuseppe. You want to arm wrestle in a me? live Family Anatomy <laughs> broadcast? Okay, <laughs> listen, that, listen. That, let's just make it a UFC uh, ooh, match. Why pay per view? Why stop it? Uh... We could quit our day jobs. <laughs> we started doing we that. Could. All right. I don't think, well, you, I don't think it's a good idea. I, I'm going to take that one back. You know, the thing about resolutions is that most people don't keep them. If you look at the data on resolutions, you see numbers anywhere from 56% to 88% of people fail to keep them. Well, uh, what the the figure I saw is 8% are successful. Well, there, you've got up to... You've got that's a pretty, 92. That's a pretty low number. But one thing that 92. I found that I kind of thought was interesting is that uh, there was a study a few years ago that showed that the failure rate is higher at the beginning and then it gradually slows down. This particular study followed people for about six or seven months into the new year, and they found that about 36% failed by the end of January. That figure was up to 50% by the end of March and 56% by the end of July. So it, it was bigger at the beginning and then gradually fewer and fewer people were dropping off. So if you make it past the first month, you're more likely to make it a little bit longer. That's it. I guess the, the idea there is hang in there and you might see more success. And well, they also compared those people to other people who wanted to make the same kinds of changes but didn't make an actual formal resolution. And uh, the people who made no resolutions succeeded in meeting their goals 4% of the time. So it's real important to, if you want to meet a resolution to be clear about what it is and to make to, one. Yeah, you can't just uh, sit back and th say, well, I think I want to lose weight and not kind of formally commit to it. One of the study's authors said that you're 10 times more likely to change by making a New Year's resolution than if you don't. And it makes sense. It makes sense if you're, if you're not clear, if you're not naming what it is you want to do, obviously it's going to be less likely to happen. You know, I started thinking... Why? First of all, about 45% of people make New Year's resolutions, a fairly high number. 38% never make resolutions because mm -hmm. that, that, that would have been that me. That would have been you. No way, no day. <laughs> would have been me. That's it. <laughs> you know, the, the thing about it is what, what do you, why do people make resolutions? I, you know, you can look at it a couple of different ways. It's a healthy thing. You could look at it that way. It yeah. suggests that you're reflecting on your life and you have a desire to improve yourself in some way. I guess you can also look at it as an un unhealthy thing in that very low success rates, a lot of disappointment, and maybe it's just reflecting a lack of self-acceptance and, and a pressure to... You know, well, especially with that top resolution is losing weight. There's a pressure to lose weight and be thin, and 
uh, most dieting programs don't work and uh, maybe maybe there's a lack of self-acceptance there. So I think it's important to actually look what's underlying this, this uh, desire. Why do you choose to make those resolutions? That's so it. why do you want to be in better shape? Well, I want to live a very long life. <laughs> so I think that's a pretty good motivation. I think motivation. that's a good motivation. And I can see, well, I mean, there are health risks that come with not being in shape. And so that makes a lot of sense. Like I say, I, I was interested in the fact that they, they separated losing weight and staying fit and healthy, right? Like in a way they could, they could be the same thing, sure. right? They could be the same mm-hmm. thing. And people who just want to lose weight and they don't have that other goal, um, I, that, I'd be curious to see if, if uh, that uh, like having both of those together is extra motivation and makes it more likely that you can keep that resolution. They need to do a study where they divide up on how successful people are based on the resolutions that they make. That's it. Well, one of the things that I was hoping that we would get to do today was to look at, because this is the time of year where all of the magazines, all of the newspapers, all of the TV shows have been talking about, here's how to make a resolution and keep it. Here's how to make sure that you stay motivated and maintain your willpower. I mean, we even talked about this a few years ago. Uh, so I thought, hey, let's look at some of the more more reputable sources, so to speak, in the area and find out what they're recommending. But look at it from a psychologist standpoint in terms of could this actually work? We looked at Time Magazine, the Globe and Mail newspaper here in Canada, and the New York Times. Exactly. And the Time Magazine article I found was called, appropriately enough, Five New Year's Resolutions That Might Actually Work. Now, I believe that was written by a psychologist. Um, I think you're right. And I didn't write down the author's name, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I didn't write the name down either. I did see that. And they were, like, I, I, I read them over, and they are very good suggestions. I think they are. They sort um, of, the, the Time Magazine ones are neat because they're really focused on um, planning ahead. Like this idea I saw in a few articles as I was doing the research for our episode, they talk about Ulysses, who had himself tied to the mast of his ship so that he wouldn't be too tempted to jump overboard when he heard the song of the sirens. So right. he was trying to avoid temptation ahead of time by planning ahead, making it impossible for him to give in to temptation. And that's sort of what I think these ones, the Time Magazine article is suggesting, right? What's their first suggestion? Order an annual subscription to a fruit delivery service. Their idea is that you're motivated at the beginning of January before you have a chance to abandon your resolutions, do a whole bunch of things that are going to carry you through the year. Well, the the way I was looking at it is put into place environmental, structural things that take away your need to be so motivated. I mean, if the fruit's coming delivered to your door, that's the first one, then you don't have to go, oh, boy, I should go buy some vegetables. Well, just like you, getting up and getting dressed and going to the gym, right? It's, it's it. so much it, more... Make it accessible. Yeah. Make, it, make it so that you don't have to recommit mm-hmm. to buying fruit on your own yep. uh, on your own will and determination and time and everything like that the, the second oh thing before we go on to was... the second thing it was really funny that I was reading this and it was just after I had I had been with the family to the gym and the trainer on the weekend said if you leave the junk food on the grocery store shelf the worst that's going to happen later is you're going to say I wish I had bought that 
but you're not going to have access yep. to it. So I thought it was interesting. It all kind of came together at the same time. Well, the, that's it. Um, the second one they have there is give your friend the ability to take money from your account if you break your diet. Here, here's the interesting thing. They have the fruit delivery service. They have give, uh, give your friend the ability to take money from your account if you break your diet. They have weekly meetings with friends to work out mm-hmm. and get a dog so you have to take a walk for the next 10 years pretty much every day. That's a commitment. Now, all all four, four of the five... Um, resolutions that actually work. That's what they're calling it there. Four or five of them are related to those top resolutions, which is getting fit, Mm -hmm. losing weight. Mm -hmm. The the fifth one is uh, set up automatic transfer of funds. To save money. Uh, And so that's more that financial goal to save money. But so so you can see it's top heavy on that being fit. And, you know, the two of us, have that as yeah, well. Absolutely. You know, the, it's um, that common. So it's there, but it's that it's that sort of put something in place in your environment that happens automatically. This is basically what it is, so that you don't have to recommit all the time to this and thing. And that is something that I think definitely works. I'm a little concerned about some of the specifics. Number one, if a friend has the ability to take money out of my bank account, there might be some resentment there when it actually happens. What, you don't want me to have control over your bank I would account? rather not give control over my bank account to my <laughs> podcast co-host. I don't think very many people right? would. Oh, when, we, so that's, when we get you know, to one of the later articles, we'll talk about a solution that might work even better that has a little bit more research behind it. But uh, I, I, it's a good idea maybe to set up some stakes, but I think you have to be careful about how you choose to enforce whatever the consequences that you're going to put in place to maintain your motivation. Yeah, and and like I I kind of like some of the automatic things the uh, you know the fruit delivery service the you know set up automatic transfers of your front funds getting a dog and weekly meetings with friends to work out all of those are fine I think the the same one that stuck out for you stuck out for mm-hmm. me which is giving your private financial. <laughs> well-being over to someone else yeah <laughs> that's a little i find that a little, probably a little hard to take for me, probably a lot of people well i mean there's the privacy um, and security aspect and then there's the potential impact on your relationship when it actually occurs right ex- exactly yeah. exactly so um that that idea behind yes these suggestions though i think is an important idea you could look up you could think of a lot of different examples of how you can have this happen so that it's automatic and so that, you know, there was a study a number of years ago that I remember where they had um, they had a situation where there was, you know, candy and chocolates mm-hmm. on, on, a, on um, a, a min assistant's desk, yes. you know, and it was, say, like, you know, within reach of his or her arm. Uh-huh. Right, uh-huh. and then a second one was it was you know on the table across across the office, right? right? And they just tracked how much weight <laughs> the person, uh, how many calories they were consuming, and there was a very big difference when it was super accessible. Now it wasn't it was only like a few feet away, but not within arm's right. reach. The second scenario, mm-hmm. but it made a very big difference. So it's it's access. It's how automatic things uh, uh, that are more healthy for you can be put into place. These are the sort of underlying things here. Totally. 
Totally. And that brings us to the second article, which is one from the Globe and Mail uh, called Achieve Balance in 2014 with these tips from the experts. Now, this article is a little bit more about achieving work-life balance, but I thought there were a couple of people who they interviewed who had some good points that are more widely applicable. Um, The first one was uh, a person by the name of Louise Thompson, who's a life coach in New Zealand and wrote a book called The Busy Woman's Guide to High-Energy Happiness. And she had uh, something that I I think should be obvious to all of us, but she said, you know, the people you spend the most time with in your life have the biggest impact on you. Go figure. Right. That's a, that's not quite a revelation, yeah. but I get, you know, the interesting thing about this was she's, she's sort of saying that consciously choose your circle of five. Right. Right. So she says, take five people that you spend the most time with. They have the biggest impact on your mm-hmm. life. And why not be conscious about who you're choosing to have in that circle? We know from psychological research that the friends that you're likely to have are the one that, that the ones that you're in the closest proximity yeah, to. Yeah, that is true. Which is right. So that, but which is funny. And I remember that way back in the day when we were studying at university, uh, these these types of um, of uh, truths that were coming out of the research. And I always thought to myself, no, that can't be true. You know, it's not just proximity. It's because, you know, we relate to one another in a certain way. And, uh, you know, that's that's more important than how close physically <laughs> they happen to be to you and the kind of access you have to them, right? right. Which, which we were just talking about. But really, if you think about it, it is. Now, within within the group of people that you're physically close to. There's still some choices. Absolutely, but you do tend right? to hang out with the people who are closest, even whose office That's is it. closer. That's it, right? But this idea of consciously choosing, I think, gets... Because I think the, the, the truth about proximity is so intuitive in a way, uh, it, it just happens. You know, it happens to everyone. Um but you hear people say, you know, you don't choose your family, you choose your friends, right? right. But you you sort of choose your friends and you sh- sort of don't. And I think it might be a good idea, especially I think as you get older, you start to realize, you know what, I can make even more clear choices about who I'm choosing to be around. Because you do accumulate friends over the years and, and you can make better choices for yourself. And I think that's probably a good that idea. That is absolutely true. And I, now that you're speaking about it, I remember, I think it was uh, Dr. Wayne Hammond. Remember when we talked about resilience and he, he said he would speak with his children about the choices they were making in their friends, saying things like, do they add to your picture or take away from it? And I think right. that's when, especially when we're talking about making changes in our lives, being aware of your friend's influence, your colleague's influence is, is important. Are, are they going to support your efforts to change? Or are they going to sabotage them? Because there is some, you know, depending on what kinds of changes you're making, there, you might get some blowback from friends, right? If you decide to stop smoking, all the people you used to hang out with in the smoking area are going to be saying, hey, what happened to you? Why don't you come and join us? And you'd be putting yourself in temptation to go there. And because you don't usually literally choose your friends, right, you might be hanging around this you know, circle of five, right. as this, author, as this uh, Louise Thompson is talking about, and not sort of just be used to them just undermining your just goals. Just going along and getting Not along. really flinch. Yeah. You, know? you might not even <laughs> you know notice, right? right, unless you're conscious Wait a of minute. It. Yeah, you'd have to actually sit back and go, wait a minute, are, 
is this person like bringing anything good to my life? And, and it's something that I think, like I say, I think as you get older, it's something easier to do that you look at it and you, you're more sort of selective that way. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a good thing for people to keep in and mind. For kudos sure. to Louise Thompson for reminding us of that. David Posen, who is, he's cited as a stress doctor, but he also wrote a book called Is Work Killing You? He was another one who I thought had an interesting take on the resolution thing, saying that you really do need to give yourself permission to make time for yourself that guilt about making time for yourself can really undermine the changes that you want to make. For both of us, we're talking about, I'm talking about training for a race, you're talking about staying in shape. That takes time, and it's time that you're investing in you. Like, I'm lucky enough to be able to go with my family to do these exercises, but um, it would be pretty easy to feel guilty about getting ready for a run. It would be. And you know, the other thing that I thought was interesting, though, if you look over these you know, the typical top 10 resolutions, most of them are self-improvement, right? They have to do with the self. Yep. They're, they're, they're not interpersonal goals. They're not, I want to have a better relationship with my spouse. Not until you I get... I want to have a better relationship with... Not to, until you get to the very the bottom. Filler, Spend those, more time with my filler family. filler items are spending <laughs> the time. Filler, the fillers at the, at the back end are more, more social interpersonal goals. I think we've talked before about how important some of these interpersonal goals are so that, you know, it, it's, it helps your own well-being, right? To, to say, I'm going to focus on having a better relationship with so-and-so. And when you're feeling good, you're going to be better able to fully engage in the things that you do with your family, the things that you do with your spouse or your partner. And there'll be less guilt. And there will be right? less you're not guilt. Taking, you're not taking time away from somebody else. Bonus points for less guilt. So I think a balance could be achieved there. So here we are thinking about your circle of five and achieving a balance. And then we get to what I think, it's a little bit of an older article in the New York Times, but I, th- I think this one is the most thorough, and I think it makes some pretty important psychological points. Uh, an article called Be It Resolved, and this one was written by John Tierney, who's the co-author of a book called Willpower, Rediscovering the Greatest Human Strength. Yeah, and you know, this, like we sort of touched a little bit on this uh, earlier, because you're, you know, like you said, he, it's most the most thorough and and he's sort of uh, looking at it uh, big picture, uh, not just saying here's five things that are going to work. Right. Um, so making a resolution is really important for change, he's saying. He's saying that willpower is mental energy, and the sense that I'm getting is that it's limited. Well, yeah. right. You don't have an unlimited well of willpower, so don't tax yourself out on it and then be surprised when you can't, Keep that resolution. That's absolutely right. And in fact, now, I wasn't able to go and find all of the original studies that that talk about this, but his assertion in this article is not only is willpower a finite resource, that there's physiological links 
to energy sources in the body that are, that become depleted when you are making effort to resist temptation. And so he's talking a lot about what we said at the beginning uh, in response to the Time Magazine article, the idea that rather than resisting temptation, the people who successfully keep their resolutions are the ones who set up their lives to minimize temptation. Right. So, you know, the parent that complains that their child's eating too much junk food and they're not healthy and this and that, well, unless we're talking about a child with a job, (laughs) they don't have the money to bring that junk food in or to buy that junk food. So keep it out of the house and that that that's three quarters, 95% of your battle. That's exactly right. So he's got some basic strategies, seven different things uh, that can be helpful to maximize willpower and make it that much easier that you're going to be able to stick to your resolution beyond that month, beyond those six months, hopefully beyond a year. And the number one thing is set a single clear goal. Limit yourself to one resolution at a time and be specific about it. That's right. So, you know, you don't want to overwhelm yourself and and confuse yourself. Uh, You know, you want to name it, be clear about why you have it, what it is, and what steps you're going to take to to make it come true, right? It it, it can't be too vague as well. It has to be specific. And the second thing he talks about is pre-committing. And those are the things like we talked about earlier, uh, where you're planning your meals in advance or you're joining that fruit club ahead of time. You're keeping junk food out of the kitchen. You're scheduling workout with friends. You're When you go to the grocery store, you're not bringing your credit card so you can limit your spending. He talks about the idea of even emailing your goal to friends or putting it up on Facebook so that you're sort of responsible to other people. That's right. And he's he also talks at one point about uh, using, like this is the way I understood it, at least, using someone else's limited willpower, <laughs> you know, get a coach, yep. get a coach to help you in that fitness routine. And they, you're, you, that's what you're doing. You're kind of loaning some of their willpower right. and, it, and it's helping you. Outsourcing self-control, he calls it. There's a really interesting website that he talks about in the article that was designed by researchers at Yale of all places. And what's neat about it is that as people use the site, they're getting more and more data about how people make and keep resolutions. Uh, it's a website called stickk.com, and their data show, well, first of all, what Stick K is, is it's a website where you can kind of publicly post what your resolution is going to be. Uh, you can decide whether you want to make it, you know, to share it with everybody or just with a smaller group of people. Uh, then you can set up it's optional, but you can set up stakes. Remember what the first article said about giving friend access to your bank account. You can set up a $20 payment in advance if you don't meet your goal. And that payment can go to, he calls it an anti-charity. So it would be like going to a charity that you wouldn't support normally. So it's kind of, it, it adds a little extra sting if you, <laughs> if, right. if you don't meet your goal. Uh, and then you can also set up uh, set up a referee as well, have, have somebody who can kind of make sure that you're being honest about it and who can kind of almost be like your sponsor. If you're an AA, it would be the person who you call when you're feeling temptation, I think. So you can have a referee who's going to support you. You can have some other people who can add some support. And what the site found is that over three years, so we're not talking about six or seven months, over three years, 
without a referee or stakes, the people who signed up, so they, they have enough willpower to sign up on a website like this, 29% uh, kept their resolution over three years. If they had a referee, 59% kept that resolution. If they had money on the line, without a referee, if they had money on the line, 71.5% kept the resolution. And when they had both uh, money on, on the line and a referee, 80% of people were successful. So it turns those stats on their head when you've really put yourself out there and set some things up in advance. I'm a little concerned with the the money part of yeah. it because, you know, you can get people to do a lot of things for money. Right. <laughs> Good and bad. There's no question about it. <laughs> and the question is when that money no longer is a factor, do you still stick to it? So I would be a little wary of the money part of it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I get the idea. Um, you know, another thing that he talked about is keeping track with data uh, of of uh, your goals. And for instance, when you're, and I think that it has been proven in research, right. if you're trying to lose weight, it's important to weigh yourself every day and to keep track of that. And, and that's and true. That, th- you know, that's true. And it's more recent research that's saying to weigh yourself every day, because for the longest time, what we were hearing... It, is don't weigh yourself every day because you do you will have fluctuations during the week and you want to stay motivated. You don't want to get discouraged if you you know if if you look like you're a pound heavier. But that's it. So so the important thing there is if you are weighing yourself every day, which the data supports, which the data right, support, you still you still have to be able to manage. The disappointment, because it's not always going to go down and that's, <laughs> or stay the and, same. You know, it's gonna, uh, so that that's a big part of it. And, and that's the one thing that I didn't see in any of the articles that we looked wait, at. Wait, don't go, don't jump ahead, because number five, Tierney's fifth recommendation is don't overreact to a lapse. I, yeah, I see that. I see that. But the I think to, to get really into that idea, right, right. that... What exactly does it mean? Don't overreact to a relapse mm-hmm. could mean uh, just intellectually, listen, just don't overreact. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, listen, I have trouble because I, I overreact to a relapse. Well, just don't. Don't do it. <laughs> you know he what I mean? Say how don't not do it. To do it. <laughs> well, I think it's more complicated than that. You, there's there's a lot of emotion that goes into this. Right. There's a lot of hope that goes into this, and and the disappointment can be rather um, derailing and and heavy. And so you have to kind of expect that. You have to look for support. That's that's one of the things that, I, like I say, I didn't see as much of a lot. Uh, now, some of the some of it is is there in terms of you know being on Facebook, having a coach, right. and that kind of thing. Um, it can be really emotionally upsetting. Uh, for a lot of people when they're trying to lose weight and it's not well, happening. Well, especially yet. if they're not prepared for the idea that you're going to hit plateaus or you're going there are going to be times during the week where it's harder or easier. The social aspect is really important. Yes. The environment, you know, part of that social aspect is that circle of five. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You might have like a circle of five or more in in your AA program or, right. or whatever sort of treatment you're in, that is great. But if if your day to day, not just at the meeting, but if your day to day circle of five mm-hmm. are the drinkers and the smokers, 
that you've always got along with, that, that makes it really difficult because they are the same people that are likely to undermine you because yep. you're kind of leaving them in a way. And you're, yeah. And they're not going to like it. Right. You know? And if you continue so, to spend so time where, with them, you're going to be exposed to that thing that you're trying to resist, and you're going to uh, run out of willpower sooner or later, right, if it's a finite resource. That's it. Maybe rather than saying, don't overreact to a lapse, what we need to be saying is, expect that some lapses will occur and seek support if you lapse. Seek support. Seek support and, and remember that that support uh, has to be also an everyday thing. You yeah. can't sort of go to AA and have great support mm-hmm. and then go back to your regular life and have everybody going, can I get you a drink? Yeah, that's part That's part of outsourcing <laughs> the self-control, right? That's it. Okay. So uh, th- the next one, the sixth idea, I think, was uh, sort of strangely phrased. Tomorrow is another taste, where he said that research has found that people who tell themselves that they can have a piece of that junk food later and resist it in the moment, um, they find it easier to resist that temptation than the people who say, I can never have that, I'll never be able to touch it. It just sort of raises a temptation. I guess it also, it, it, it's buying you time. Yeah. Right? You're buying time there. Yeah. You know, like, I'll just have it another time, and another time means you're not having it now. That's right, and maybe you can go find your friend <laughs> who's supportive, who's trying That's to help right. you. Go get that circle of five. That's right, go get it. <laughs> Round them up. <laughs> yeah, get them on speed dial. You have to have those people easily accessible. Uh, and then the final suggestion that Tierney makes is that you need to reward yourself often because it can be a pretty tiring, tough slog if what you're doing all day is trying to resist temptation and just make changes in your life without having some sort of rewards in the short term because weight loss or getting in shape or quitting smoking, those are all things that take time. Uh, and the long-term rewards may not be enough to motivate you just on their own. That's right. So you, you want to have that. You want to you want to feel good about what you're accomplishing as you're accomplishing it, and, and that's going to keep you motivated and keep you moving forward. Absolutely. And I think maybe that might bring us to our top three things. I think it does. And the number one thing to remember is that to keep your resolution, you need to set up a single, clear, measurable goal with concrete steps. Having a very vague goal with not a clear roadmap of how you're going to get to it is a recipe for your resolutions not being met. That's right. A recipe for disaster, you might say. You really do. I mean, part of that is about planning ahead and you need to plan ahead so that you can create an environment that minimizes temptation, that makes it as convenient as possible to keep your resolution, and one that reduces your need to use up that limited willpower that you have. That's it. And the third thing to remember is that social or relationship goals can help you keep your personal resolutions. They tend to be at the bottom of the list. Yep. But I think what we're saying is you might want to pull them up to the top. They're very important goals. They can help you keep your personal goals. And make sure you're aware of who the circle of five are because that will help you to meet those resolutions. And that brings us to the end of the show. You can visit us at familyanatomy.com or email us at info at familyanatomy.com. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Google+. If you're listening on your iPhone or iPad, you can find us 
on the podcast app. As usual, we'll leave you with a bit of a tune by Brother Love, and he's over at brotherloverocks.com. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year, and we'll see you in two weeks. FamilyAnatomy.com